Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. I tell you guys all the time, always bet on red. And I hope you cashed on all of your Kansas City bets this season. All of the odds, props, promos, and parlays are available at Bet Online Sportsbook. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous February 16th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is. You may be listening. We have a very special friend of the show returning for his second endeavor here with the Take It Easy podcast. His name is Daniel Wilcox, former Baltimore Ravens tight end, Super Bowl champion with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Daniel has been a friend of the show, and he hosts the Believe in Ravens podcast on Believe's Podcast Network. He came on the show back over the summer. We talked some NFL. We talked Baltimore. And with everything going on with Lamar Jackson, I really wanted to take a, a deep dive into what was going on, and I thought Daniel might be the perfect person to discuss. And so Daniel's kind enough to join us on the show. We talk about some other NFL stuff as well, but the main thing I wanted to talk about is this crazy situation with Lamar Jackson, and I call it crazy because I can't believe we've made it to this stage of the game with Lamar Jackson and his career. It's pretty incredible because no other quarterback in the Tier 1, Tier 2, or even Tier 3 camp of quarterbacks has gone through quite the contract negotiation and quite the last four to five years that Lamar Jackson has had from being MVP of the league three years ago and multiple years watching the Ravens fall apart with injuries. It's really just been an incredible journey and so we're going to talk to Daniel about the Baltimore Ravens Like I said, a former player with the Ravens. He worked in the Baltimore front office during that 2019 season where Lamar won the MVP. They went 14-2. He was working with Baltimore during that season. And Daniel's got some really good insight and expertise as a former tight end, someone within Baltimore. It's a really interesting conversation, and I'm excited to bring it to you. We also talk about the Super Bowl and one play in particular where they run a bootleg and throw back across the field to Kelsey. It's really interesting NFL nerd stuff, and I'm really glad that Daniel talked about it because I feel like I'm learning a little bit more about football when a former player like him can bring that expertise. So without further ado, let us welcome 
Daniel Wilcox, Super Bowl champion tight end. All right, all right, all right. Uh, welcoming back to the show our friend Daniel Wilcox, former Baltimore Ravens tight end, Super Bowl champion. Now he's uh, living out there in Atlanta. He's got a cool setup back there. He's got all his helmets. I didn't see that the first time we uh, we got together. So um, yeah, I got a little. I got a little bit of action going back there in the background. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool, man. It looks pretty cool. What else he got up there besides the helmets? Um, you can't see this one right here, but this is my Hall of Fame plaque at App State. <clears throat> the Ravens sent us a, a a bottle of champagne right here at the top for the Super Bowl when they won his last Super Bowl in 2012. Um, that's my Ravens helmet right here, Tampa Bay helmet right here, New York Jets helmet right here. I think, yeah, that's my App State helmet there. Um, that's another Ravens helmet right here behind the plaque. That's the one that I got autographed by all my teammates. And then I got a bunch of game balls. This one is from the Super Bowl in Tampa. And oh, then man. I got my first, I think my first touchdown is up there. And then like a Joe Flacco, I got, I caught Joe Flacco's first touchdown pass as a Raven. His ball is up there, and I think Steve McNair's ball up there too. I call his first touchdown pass as a Raven as well. And um, this ball right here is a a ball that the Ravens sent us after we went out and did like a um, I think we came back and did like the ten year anniversary weekend from when Harbaugh first got the head job. We went to the AFC Championship and lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. <laughs> you know, Kyle. So this ball is like them just showing us love. It's like it was a pretty. It's a really cool ball. I mean, that one looks cool because it's got the different colors to it. Obviously, people can't see it, so I'm going to do my mm. best to describe it. But uh, I didn't even have to bring right. up the Steelers game this time. You volunteered that information up here. <laughs> Man, Kyle, it's crazy, bro. Like, when you talk about arch nemesis and you you play this game for a long time, and you just have that one team that you love to hate and they love to hate you, it, it always boils back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they're just a, such a phenomenal organization and program, man, and they've done a great job of, of of becoming a great organization and franchise. And I, well, some of my best battles and best memories are playing against those guys, man. So I guess this is more of the time period that you played, but do you feel any of those like disdains for like the Bengals at all? Cause obviously they weren't as good at that time. Yeah. We beat up on the Bengals quite a bit when I played, but I mean, it was a, anybody in the AFC conference up there in the, up there in the AFC North, man, you always got a little special love, hate relationship, the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, you know, that was a tough conference every year. I mean, playing against Chad Johnson and TJ Husmanzada, you know, all those guys, man. And they had a great linebacker core. One of my old teammates from Tampa, Nate Webster, was up there. And then he was one of the great linebackers they had on the on they um on the defensive side, man. It was it was always a battle, man. And we was blessed enough to have a defense that was gonna be top five, top three in the nation every single year. And we're one of those few teams that could actually, you know, kind of lean back on having solid defensive play for over 20 years. And the Ravens always kept us, the, the Ravens defense always kept us in every game because they was that good. You can't beat us if you can't score on us. So, you know, so the Bengals had problems scoring because our defense was so stacked with Hall of Famers. We'll talk about some other football stuff, hopefully, because I got some other things I know you might be interested in. But I'm just really fascinated okay. by what's going on with Lamar, and I wanted to specifically yeah. get your thoughts on it. Obviously, as someone okay. who's got connections to Baltimore, um, I can't believe that they've made it this far without going to a contract extension or working something out. Um, yeah. What do you make of everything going on there? Um, I don't really like it, man. I, I I hate it for Lamar and I hate the fact that he's in the situation that he's in. He's his own agent. So he has to actually hear the conversations 
you know, firsthand. It's 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 great to have a buffer sometimes, you know, and that's why we go to marriage counseling as, as couples. You have a buffer in between the wife and husband, and that counselor allows you to be able, you know, to absorb some of those things. You'll meet one-on-one, the husband and the counselor, and then one-on-one with the wife and the counselor, and then you'll join together later on, both parties, after you've already kind of worked some things out. And, and a lot of times that's what you need, man. You know, you need a buffer to kind of be in between that situation because it's such it's hard to hear what people don't like about you or what people don't think you're doing great, especially when you're somewhere that you love playing that at that place and you, you've embraced that place. So I'm, I'm assuming, you know, how it works. You sit down at the table, you know, with the GM, you know, the um, the president of the team, the owner of the team. And, <clears throat> and then you have to sit down and, and negotiate your contract. And the basis of negotiating any contract is what are other people doing at my position? What are other people getting at my position? What are they stats? What are they records? You know, how well did they play this year? How well did they play last year? How do I hold up against the best in the NFL? You know, so and then you try to see who got paid what and then how you compare to that guy that got paid more than what you're getting paid right now. And since Lamar is still, I think, on a rookie contract, you know, he's making pennies in comparison to what like a Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray's making, you know, a lot of these guys like the Aaron Rodgers and stuff for the world. Or like just what an MVP pins. quarterback is worth. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other guys that got MVP, you know, trophies in this league, they're getting paid like out of the wazoo. So and you just saw the Patrick Mahomes thing. I think they put a post up the other day with Patrick Mahomes making like 508 mil over 10. And then um, Jalen Hurts was like, five mil or six mil or something right now every year. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's crazy difference, you know? So he's just trying to get what he's worth. He's trying to get his money guaranteed. Why would he want his money guaranteed? He wants his money guaranteed because tomorrow's not guaranteed in this league, you know? So if I'm going to go out here and put my life on the line every single play for you, and I'm the nucleus of your entire defense, I mean, entire offense and team, you know, guarantee my money, you know, that way I go out here and I'll, I'll feel confident putting myself on the line. And if I do get hurt, I know I'm taking care of for life. And what people don't, I, what I think people don't understand is how uncle Sam works, you know, the tax guy, you know? Okay. So if you guarantee me a hundred mil, you know, if I get hurt tomorrow, then I'm, I mean, I'm only guaranteed 60 million, you know, out of a hundred million, you're only going to see 60 mil. They're going to take about 45% of your money before you even see it. So if you guarantee me 200 mil, I'm only going to see about 110 mil out of that, you know? So you're basically at 200, you're only really guaranteeing me 110 because Uncle Sam is guaranteed the other 80, you know, the other 80, other 90 mil that I'm not going to get, you know. So when you when you think about it in that standpoint, 200 million is not that much money in the long scheme of things, you know, only because of you're looking at it like 200 million is really 110, you know. 300 million is like 175, you know, 180 mil. No, really. It's not yeah, really and, and, 300 million. And Lamar yeah. is worth so much more than that. Like, obviously, it's large amounts of money. He's <clears throat> worth so much more to that because the Baltimore Ravens increased their valuation by hundreds of millions of dollars by having a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who puts up those numbers. And because of the way that the salary caps are structured, he only sees a mm -hmm. certain percentage of it combined with yeah. the fact that if this is a five, six year contract that he gets, this might be his one big payday. Um, and the thing that's strange right. is I just don't know what the hesitation is from Baltimore's standpoint. 
Baltimore has never paid a quarterback like that. The only time they have is with Joe Flacco. You know, it was after the Super Bowl. Of course, he just won a Super Bowl. You had no excuse not to give him 100 mil, you know. So they've never paid a quarterback this kind of money. They've never invested that type of money on the offensive side of the ball. They've only did it on the defensive side, and it's never been this quantity before, you know. So Steve Bashotti is a smart businessman. He's not an idiot. So he's making this decision based off of um, analytics and whether or not it makes sense. And, you know, does it, you know, it's not like Steve Bashotti ain't got 230 million to give him, you know, he got the money to give him. Yeah. That's not a question. That's not even a question, but it, it has to make sense in the big realm and the big scheme of things. And then you have to worry about a salary cap. If you pay him that much, then what else are you going to be able to put around or surround around them to be able to hold there to keep your team a solid team. And those things have to come into factor. You have to figure that out. And you saw it firsthand with Aaron Rodgers this year. You know, he that you got rid of Devontae Adams and then he had nobody to throw to and he act like a spoiled baby the entire season long, you know, and you wonder why Green Bay ain't back where they used to be. And that's how unfortunately that's how the NFL is structured and set up. When you pay somebody a lot of money, you gotta you gotta get rid of somebody else that's really, really good. And the Ravens are trying to hold on by, you know, the crazy thing is like Lamar's not getting paid a lot. You know, um, you got a couple, you got an offensive lineman. I think Stanley's getting paid a little bit of money. And you got a couple of other guys maybe making a little bit of money, but the rest of those guys are all making pennies on a, pennies on a dollar in comparison to what the rest of the league is doing with their star players and stuff like that. The Ravens, the Ravens don't have a premier receiver. They're not paying a big chunk of change to a receiver right now. You know, so Mark Andrews is probably the most highest paid receiver they got on the team. He's not making a ton there. And, I, He's this is the interesting part because when it was Lamar on the, the first couple of years, they went out and got Marcus Peters. They went out and got Calais Campbell. And now those guys are either gone or making less than they were before. Mm-hmm. And as I look at it, I'm like, well, pivoting to like Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton as first round picks. And now they're making pennies on the dollar for what they're worth. Like they're doing a good job in pivoting, like preparing right. for Lamar to make all this money. They've put him in a position to still succeed it's just weird that they seem like they're preparing for it to happen and then it just doesn't happen and right that's, that's the thing that's so interesting yeah it's, it's really interesting man. I've, it's been beating me up i really thought they was going to take care of it during the season i thought he was going to take care of it last off season i was like pay the kid give him what he wants you know he's your franchise he's everything he could be the face of the nfl easily um, and I, I just, he's played such a, a tough, he's in touch, such, such a tough spot because he's got hurt the last two years in a row. Um, he missed like eight games the last two years in a row and you're scratching your head. If you're the owner, do I pay this guy? Is he fragile? Is he hurt? Cause once you get hurt in this league, they automatically label you as injury prone. It's, it's very, very quick. It, it does. It, ha- it happens overnight. Um, and once you miss a certain amount of games, they start to wonder if it's a good decision. Mind you, they paid Ronnie Stanley, and he hadn't played since because he's been hurt almost the entire time, right? So that plays in the back of their mind, too. They pay him a, a, a big chunk of change, and he's been hurt ever since they paid him. You know, so when you when you feel like you're getting burnt sometimes, and not saying that Ronnie Stanley is burning them, when you're hurt, you're hurt. You know, you have to get some time to, to rehab and get back and get healthy. And everybody's body takes it differently. The older you get, the harder it is to come back from injuries and and it's it's a tough it's a such a tough league, man. You need your feet, your feet, your ankles, and stuff for the, like the most important part. Your knees, everything, your lower back. You know, one thing will really enable you to be able to play this game. Will stop you from playing this game from a, for a long time, and you'll be done with it forever. So, um, I think Lamar is extremely worried about that, and just as much as he's worried about it, I think the front office is worried about it as well. You know, since he has such a running quarterback and 
he's in that frame. He bulked up over the summer so that he come back and be, you know be able to fight through these injuries and not have them as much so they won't hold him back. And then he still kind of got banged up a little bit, kind of tweaked his knee a little bit and kind of sprained that thing really good and left him out the rest of the season. Yeah, and the injuries, you brought up a great point, which was whether it was Stanley, whether it was Dobbin, really all the running backs in 2021, but like... Every last one of them. (laughs) Everyone on that team getting hurt the two seasons after Baltimore was, as I still say, literally the most unbeatable team I've ever seen in 2019. To have all the injuries pile up two years in a row in Lamar Jackson's prime was just like the most unfortunate break in the world. And like you said, Stanley who was on pace to be a Hall of Fame left tackle has had two major leg injuries. Yeah, back to back. Yep, rehabbed it and came back a little bit too early, I think, the first time. He should have probably stayed out a couple more months and tried to rehab it a little bit more to get it stronger and end up getting injured right again, right away. And I missed basically two seasons. Came back and played a little bit this season and was still kind of, you know, plagued by the injury bug a little bit. He was in and out, in and out, in and out. And um, I think the Ravens are, exactly like you were saying, Kyle, like one of the most unbeatable teams back in 19. I I think what happened for that to me, for me, is chemistry, right? The chemistry is so important for every team. And I think they took it a little bit for granted that year. Uh, That next year they came back in 2020 and they let Mark Ingram go. And I felt like he was a huge part of the chemistry and the makeup of what the Ravens were. You know, he you know he was one of the big ones that started the whole big trust thing. And and that was brewing all over. He was making T-shirts and everything, man. It's crazy. Like people still you go to IG and still people got big trust on the, on the IG page, you know. So I, I really think they made a bad decision by kind of dismantling some of the talent that they had that year. And I think Mark Ingram was still a really good running back and could have helped you know, really put whoever that was coming up behind him on pace to be one of the greats out there. And um, I think they kind of took that for granted just a little bit, you know, and um, I think it kind of came back to bite them that following year when everybody got hurt. I mean, you literally had every DB out. All your DBs was out. Your entire secondary, your um, your entire running back core was out. All your receivers were hurt. You know, you missed half of your offensive line. Marshall Yonder retired. You know, it was just, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of things. It, it became like this domino effect of of things that happened to the Ravens in the last couple of years and literally one bad season and everybody forgot why they had the bad season. People didn't, people just literally forgot everybody was hurt. They had like 40 guys on IR that year. And then the next year they came back, which was this year. And um, I really thought they was going to run the tables on people because I knew exactly who the Baltimore Ravens are on paper. And I was expecting something great to happen. Then they get a new D.C. with Mike McDonald, young D.C. coming back from Michigan, first year at Michigan as a defensive coordinator, then come to Baltimore, first year as a D.C. in the NFL, you know, one of the youngest ones out there, man, and started off really, really, really shaky, bad communication issues. The Dolphins game was a prime example of that, just miscommunication all over the field. Those guys came back on our defense and win a game that they should have lost. And um, that started like a ripple effect. You know, we had a couple losses early in the year that really shocked the world. And um, and then late in the season when Lamar went down, it, it kind of went over from defense to offense. Defense became really, really good, like we always expect them to be, be top in the nation the last three, the last um six or seven or eight games of the season. They top three defenses in the country. And then the offense all of a sudden went back to looking like our old offense without Lamar. And um, and we can't get in the end zone. We can't score points. I mean, it was just almost hard. I mean, it was just really, really sad to watch. Um, no matter how good the defense played, the offense just couldn't get it together. But it goes to show you how important Lamar Jackson is. Um, I think changing the OC was a huge plus for us. I really hope 
that the new OC they just brought in from um Dunk Dunk from um Georgia. I hope he comes in. Uh, I think it's Monk Munkin. Uh yeah, yeah they Todd came Monken. in from the, yeah. Yeah, they came in from the University of um Georgia. I'm really hoping he comes in with a really good scheme for these guys to put them in a situation where they can really go and be great. And hopefully we can get some more Georgia players on 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 the um on the Ravens squad because Georgia is absolutely stacked and loaded right now. You know, to be able to grab a couple of those guys would be great for us. It's going to be a great idea because if you watch Georgia at the end of last year, they were lining up tight ends in slot positions. They were running people in motion the same way that you see, like, if you watch the Super Bowl, like, they're running Devonta Smith in motion. They're putting Kelsey in motion. Like, all of that stuff that used to be, you know, quote-unquote college offense that is now part of the NFL, they were doing all that stuff at Georgia with, Obviously, Brock Bowers, who's like six foot eight, 300 pounds and tight end, <laughs> able to catch passes like Gronk. But yeah. um, I could right. totally see them doing some of that stuff with Bateman and Andrews being the top two receivers in Baltimore next year. I'm with you. I think right. it's a super good hire. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping it is. I really am. I mean, I, I really wanted the guy, the be enemy guy from Kansas City. I felt like he was the shoe win for me, like his creative, his creativeness is exactly what Baltimore needs. Um, just not being so cookie cutter, not being so much like everyone else and just coming up with creative solutions to spread the ball around to everyone. And when everybody eats, everybody's happy. When only one person eat, people looking at every, that one guy like, why is he getting all the balls? Why I'm not getting, I'm an NFL player too, you know? And, and that's when, you know, the, the, the jealousy and all that type of stuff kind of sets in and it kind of disrupts the, flow of any team or any organization um and that's consistent across the board you know if one person if you feel like one person is getting favorism at your job at your at your job no matter where you work you're trying to figure out why he must have something on the boss you know some, the boss must like him for some reason he must have seen the boss naked or something at the wrong place or something and you know he's holding it over his head and they're giving him too much money or something you know what i mean like it's, it's like yeah, that in every organization there's something there's something going on yeah yeah, and people start to resent people, man, and you don't want that. You know, Mark Andrews is a super talented tight end, man, and he deserves the stuff that he gets. But you got to find a way to kind of, you know, it need to be like a Brady-style offense where everybody gets it. You know, Aaron Rodgers where everybody touches it, you know, and that's what you really want. You know, that even consistency uh, will allow you to beat people down the stretch. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing about Harbaugh being the Ravens coach, which is they did all of that same stuff where they were coming up with creative ideas and building an offense around Lamar. And then it just kind of ran its course. Like it wasn't like there was a point mm -hmm. where it looked like it was falling off. I mean, like you said, they were awesome right. on offense to start the year and then Lamar got mm -hmm. hurt and they fell apart. So I, it felt like it had yeah. just ran its course at that point, And now they go to something new. I'm glad you said that, Kyle. Like I, I felt like the first year, I remember I was actually on the staff that year. I was doing an internship with the Ravens in the player personnel department. And I remember Harbaugh having these meetings saying that, oh, my God, it's everything we're doing is going to be cutting edge. It's going to be like the newest offense you've ever seen. We're going to we're going to run the ball. Great. This is going to be a really explosive offense. I'm super excited about what we're doing and stuff like that. And they killed it. Lamar got the MVP that year. You know, the issue was it never changed from that point. You know, so it had to become that same creative experience that you had that first year, the second year and the third year and the fourth year. And it stayed the same in the year two. Lamar was complaining that they was already calling out their plays. I don't know if you remember the interviews. He was like, man, we lined up at the line of scrimmage. They know exactly what we're running because you're running the exact same thing you ran last year. And everybody, you, and every once everybody game plans you in this league, 
and they figure out what to do to stop you, everybody's going to do the same thing to stop you. And from that point on, you got a problem. They figured you out. Everybody has a defensive genius or offensive genius on their staff, whether it's a quality control guy or it's the DC or it's the DB's coach or it's the D line coach. Everybody got one, you know, and they're going to figure out what you're doing. They're going to figure out what such and such did that that gave you problems. And they're going to do the exact same thing until you show them that it does not give you problems anymore. And, and that's what happened. Year two, that was year two that he was complaining about everybody knows what we're doing before we're doing. That's because they game plan for you. Your first year, they, they couldn't because it was all new and nobody hadn't seen you do it before. But now they got 16, 17, 18 games of you doing the exact same thing. Oh, this is all they're running. They're changing the formation and running the same thing over and over again. And then they overloaded it and ran the same thing over and over again. And then they put four wides in and ran the same thing over and over again. Then they put three wides in and then motioned the tight end and ran the same thing again. You know, so... People, once they know that, they they stop you. And that's what this league does, man. And and it never changed. You know, like you have to continue to evolve in this league and you have to figure out what am, what are we good at this year that we wasn't good at last year and then go towards that more versus your staple things that you was great at the year before. And what this league does is as a coach, I think what happens is if you are really successful with something, it's so hard to come off of it if you're not successful at it the next year because that paid your salary last year. You broke records with that last year. So this year it's not working because the other team has schemed you and figured out how to beat it, and you're still trying to run it because that paid you the year before and got you all these accolades, and you like, that's my bread and butter. I can't get away from my bread and butter, but you have to. You have to be able to evolve in this league, and I don't think we ever did that. And I think that's what cost Lamar and all these guys, you know, as far as us being the best team or the best offense in the league killed us. Exactly the point that I was going to bring up, which is it worked, but not as well as it did in 2019. And I think the reason that's the case is just because Lamar was that excellent at football that even if you put yeah. the scheme around him, like I remember that playoff game against mm-hmm. Buffalo. It was that two years ago now when they played Buffalo in the divisional round. I think they mm-hmm. ran 17 consecutive run plays to start the game. And then it was only when they got to the goal line that they threw the pick six. And I was like, well, the reason you're still in this game is because Lamar is so excellent. And they had the foresight to recognize, just let him run, let him run, read options, zone read option. Like they just kept running that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's the thing you do best. But like, you're just trying to like sneak away a 17 to 10 victory more than actually imposing your will on offense the way it looked like they did in 2019. And, you know, it's hard to hard to figure out just because Lamar's been hurt for, like you said, nine games the last two years. So it's hard to figure out exactly where they stand now. But clearly they were like, we got to we got to do something different on offense. Yeah, I don't think you I don't think no matter what team you in, I don't think you make your quarterback the primary running back on, on the team. And I think that's what kind of happened. Like you, like Lamar is phenomenal throwing the ball. He's had games we had like 400 yards passing. Yeah, he led the league in touchdowns his MVP season. Yeah, like why wouldn't you continue to feed that that beast? You know, it's like you 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 play it safe. We know in his hands the ball is safe. So you play it safe and you keep putting it in his hand and say nobody can tackle him because he's the most dynamic player in the league. And then you continue to put him in harm's way. And get and put him in dangerous situations, and and then you then you sit him in the pocket like he's a regular pocket passer, and he's not. It's like the kid is too dynamic to be a regular pocket passer 
Can he do it? Yes. But why would you put him there when he's having issues with his offensive line and you risk him getting hurt? Why not which, roll him out of the pocket? Which is literally run? how he got hurt both times. The Cleveland game yeah. in 2021, he was standing in the pocket. The game this year, he was standing in the pocket, and that's how he got hurt. Yeah, you got all these injuries on your line, and you're going to have the man sit in the pocket like he got the best line in the NFL going against some of the best defenders in the world. You know, and it, it just it doesn't add up to me. And to me, it's not it's not playing smart football. And I'm not taking anything away from the OC because I think he's he's genius. He put together a, a MVP performance season. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's done it before. But I think your butthole gets tight when you get in those positions and then you'd be afraid to 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 step out on faith and afraid to try things new because you know that's worked. And I've experienced it firsthand. You know, I I've coached in other schools and I go in and the DC been running the, the same cover three for 10 years and it's solid. It keeps us in every game. We doesn't get blown out. Nobody beats us over the top and so what? It's, there's 13, 14, 25 other coverages you can run. Like, why are you only running cover three? Do you, you're, making, you're making some of the best athletes in the world on your team be very generic by only running one coverage. And then you're putting them at a disadvantage because the other team always know you're going to run that cover three. You know, and that's kind of what happened with us on offense. We just stayed so generic and so bland, bland and stayed with what got us there. And we never, ever mixed it up. And to me, it's the coaches. It's when you watch the game. And you see those little creative wrinkles that you feel like, oh, I've never seen that before. That's really cool. You know, to me, that's what's exciting about football, when you still could come up with new things to shake it up and make people, you know, scratch their head and try to figure you out every single year. I love that. That's why you like the enemy as the coach, right? When you're talking about pulling plays from the 1994 Green Bay Packers and running them in the Super Bowl. I think that's absolutely. Absolutely. You you take what's work. You, you, you take what's worked for all the great players in the world. And you go back and you look at it. All right. I got a phenomenal tight end and, and Kelsey. What am I, what do all the great tight ends do to get open? You go back and you look at the Gonzalez's, you go back, and look at the Shannon Sharps, you know, you go back and look at the Ben Coates, the Todd heaps, you go back and look at those guys and you figure out what they ran when they had their best years. And you put those things into your offense so that that guy can win as well. Like Kelsey ran a, a play where I only ran this play one time, my, well, two times in my entire career. Both times I ran this play, it was in NFL Europe when I played over in Germany with the Ryan Fire in Dusseldorf, <laughs> Germany. I never ran it when I was in the NFL. Nobody ever called it, but I've seen other teams run it, you know, but we never ran it with me. But I both times they called it, I had a 50-yard gain on both plays, right? And it's a waggle, it's a bootleg waggle play where you with a quarterback play do the play act the play action, and then he boots out the opposite direction, and I'm on the backside. And I run across like that over on the same way that the quarterback's rolling. And then he he reversed it back. He reversed it back and came back. And, and then the quarterback puts his foot in the ground and throws it back across the field to you. It's almost like, like a throwback play. But it's like a waggle. It's like a waggle stop or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the best routes I've ever ran. And Kelsey ran it in the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen that since NFL Europe when I was in Germany. And that was 2004. Right. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, bro, like that's a phenomenal play. You talking about a great play to have in your arsenal. Everybody runs boot. Everybody runs waggle. Nobody runs waggle stops or boot stops. So when I saw him do it, I was like, bro, they own it. This this game is this game was won right here just off that one play. I said the Kansas City Chiefs is going to win this game. Yeah, man. The the Kansas City's got such a deep playbook there, and. I mean, in that game, that's the great advantage, right? Like the I keep saying it, the Eagles had a better offensive line, a better running game, a better pass rush, a better secondary. And what Kansas City had is 
we can do whatever we want whenever we want on offense. Our playbook is deeper than like two teams playbooks combined. And we know how to run these plays in all these different situations. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about that play because I remember exactly the play you're talking about and hearing you explain how never called in eight years in the NFL, but you, you'd you seen it in NFL Europe and it worked. And then, man, that's so interesting to think about. I ran it. I ran it twice in Germany and both times I caught it for like a 50, 60 yard game. I was wide open every single time. And it was just such a, it's such a phenomenal play to run, man. And I, you, you, I rarely ever seen it. I've rarely ever seen it ran in the NFL. I've seen other teams run it from time to time, but it's, you rarely see it. And it's like, it's, it's, it's the same thing as lulling them to sleep. I lull you to sleep. They probably ran naked and boot and, and oh, that over route, that crossing route, probably 3000 times throughout the whole year and probably never called that waggle stop or that waggle, that waggle um, throwback. Mm-hmm. Never the entire season. And all of a sudden they put it out in the Super Bowl. And to me, that's what that's what helped them. When they needed that big play, they went to that play and they came and and it it started that momentum up. And next thing you know, they steamrolled the freaking Philadelphia Eagles. They can't stop them. And um, and it was it's just it was a beautiful thing to see, man. I hate to see Jalen Hurts not get a Super Bowl because I really wanted that for that kid. I feel like he he has been through so much in his his career already, you know, from college to the NFL. You know, I just wanted to see him get a ring. I really did, man. But I knew the entire time Kansas City was gonna find a way. I don't know why I knew that, but I told people, people like, who are you going for? I said, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going for the Eagles, but I believe Kansas City is going to win it. If I had yeah, to put I my mean, money on it, I would put it on Kansas. It's impossible to bet against them, man. It's impossible to yeah. bet against them because yeah. the ways they lose are like fumbles by Kelsey against Cincinnati or the one time they threw up on themselves in that playoff game last year. Like other than that, the formula mm-hmm. for beating them is they make mistakes and they literally played a perfect half against Philadelphia. So what are you going to yeah. do at that point? Right. Yeah. You beat yourself. If anytime you're in a game and you beat yourself by turning the ball over, you're supposed to lose and they still find a way to win. <laughs> and I, I think the Eagles had it if Jalen Hurts don't fumble the ball, right? If he don't fumble the ball and give them that, that extra touchdown, they win by five, they win by six, you know? So I think he so. fumbled the ball, they pick it up, they run it back, they lose. Or that that seventeen play drive in the third quarter where they I don't think they even got to first and goal at that point and they kicked a field goal. I'm like, man, you can't run seventeen plays and end up with three points. That's not the three formula points. for winning. Yeah, but you know it's not. You know, I've I've seen us in Baltimore go for it so many times in that situation and not get it. It's mm-hmm. like you got to take the points. You got to figure out a way. You got to figure out a way to get in the end zone. But if you don't. You got to take the three points. Oh, yeah, no for choice. sure. It's, no, especially the, in that game. Yeah. The problem wasn't play 18. The problem was play 11, 12 and 13, where you couldn't pick up more than four yards at a time, more than it was going right. for it at the end. And I mean, Absolutely. Kansas City took it, went right down the field after that. And then I think I think that was the Tony touchdown, which was also a totally weird play that they didn't run all season. But the Tony touchdown was like, all right, now it's starting to flip in the other direction for Kansas City. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I tell you what, um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the league evolves for this next season and how the offseason go once March, Mad- once March, Mad- March Madness hits and uh, the freaking free agency um, frenzy starts. It's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. And um, I, I'm, I know the Ravens are going to do some phenomenal things. It's going to shock some people. They always do. You know, um, their front office is one of the best in the league as far as just kind of recognizing talent. 
and taking the best talent that's out there, no matter what they need. A lot of times you kind of puts them in a hole. Like this year, we had no receivers at all. For seeing, it seemed like we couldn't get a receiver to catch the ball at one point. You know, so we got to. We definitely got some things we got to figure out, Kyle, and and hopefully come back stronger than we did this last year and and, and be ready to to be great. Um, now that you got your OC, you got to do the most important thing that you have to do, and that's signing the best quarterback in the league. That's signing Lamar Jackson. They got to figure that out ASAP. Hundred percent. And I was going to ask you some other questions, but I ran out of time. The one thing that I'll yeah. uh, end with is that I think if they're looking for someone to bring in to kind of fix that offense. I think a nice little flyer on Mecole Hardman would be a great move for them. That feels like exactly what they're looking for in that offense. Yeah, I like I like Mecole too, man. He's a Georgia guy too. And, you know, of course, he knows Munkin as well. Um, it would be interesting to see what that would look like with a Mecole Hardman and a, and a Bateman. Um, you know, I, I was waiting all year to kind of see James Pro shake kind of coming to his own. But for some, if something's not right with that because I feel like that kid is super talented. And he was one of the guys I was high on. I was at the recent Senior Bowl the year he came out. And I, I agree with the Ravens. I thought it was a, a great pick for us and pick up for us. And as quiet as a kelp, he's had great training camps, but he just haven't showed up during the season for some reason. And I don't know what that is. You know, a lot of times in this league, people don't understand like how important confidence is. And I think that kid had great confidence at SMU and we have to figure out a way to get it back to him, you know, get confidence back within him, you know, while he's a Baltimore Raven because he, he the kid that would have went to the Patriots and he would have been Brady number one guy. You know, mm -hmm. he's that type of kid. I think the kid could really play some freaking football. And I would like to see him get more involved into the offense and maybe we use him more and maybe it's some short routes and get the ball in his hand quick and or just get him some crossing routes and let him find ways to separate because he's got a natural se separation gear that helps him get open. But um, he just hasn't been a factor at all. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's Daniel Wilcox. Uh, you can check out the Believe in Ravens podcast, too. He does that now and again. I'm sure there's going to be one coming out in the next couple weeks. Uh, the last one was on Lamar as well. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks for coming on the show. This is really fun to chat it up. And uh, I feel like I learned a lot and just made my football watching experience cooler. To I'm going to go back and watch that Kelsey play now and just rewatch it and see how <laughs> Mahomes comes back on that route now because – that's just yeah. that's a really cool piece of information to learn. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Well, I tell you what, Kyle, I appreciate you being patient with me today, bro. Sorry, I was a little bit late. You know, down here dealing with this Atlanta traffic and these two sons I have, trying <laughs> to get them back and forth to baseball practice and piano practice has been a lot. You know, but I appreciate you bringing me on. Really enjoyed it. Anytime you want to jump back on, let me know, and I'll try to get it done earlier in the day if I can. Maybe earlier in the morning. How about that? Absolutely. Don't worry about it at all. I totally, totally understand. <laughs> all right. Good luck at work today, man. Be safe. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.